Welcome to a special edition of SMX Insider. We are the Jasons, Wygant, and Thomas. We did not have a promoter cross race over the weekend. We will be looking ahead to Redbud as racing resumes. But this is our chance to finally dive in deep to SMX, the Super Motocross World Championship playoffs coming in September. And you're probably watching this saying, playoffs? Playoffs? How is that going to work? We brushed on it here and there, but JT, I think even we are a little confused. We've never seen this before. Yeah, it's a completely new concept and a, and a great one. And I think us, along with the riders and the teams and everybody's probably had to go back and look through this several times because I know for myself, every time I look at it, I learn something else new, whether it's the point structure or the payout or how you qualify and what, you know, all the things you have to work through. And it is for good reason as these riders prepare for this thing. Yeah, not knowing a rule or not knowing a qualification part of this could cost you a lot of money. And that's one of the coolest things about this, the absolute riches that are available. To yeah, five and a half million dollars total will be paid out. There's a four hundred plus thousand dollar purse in each race. So that's a little over one point two million dollars total. And then the points payout takes up the rest of the five and a half million dollars. So that's really what's on the line, which means riders want to win and riders want to get in. I'll give you some real briefs right now. The top 20 in combined points, Supercross and Motocross together, automatically get into the races. 21 through 30 get invited to the last chance qualifier and have a chance to race their way in. Three rounds, one at Z-Max Dragway outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, Chicago Land Speedway outside of Chicago, and the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum in California. Each race runs a two-moto format, 25 minutes plus a lap. Obviously, 450 and 250 classes are separate. And then we'll try to get into everything else that we can here. I just want to ask you, though, JT, if you get 22nd overall for the year in the 450 class, you make 25 grand. Plus, you can get two, three thousand dollars a race, even if you get last place. So we're talking 30 grand for the last rider. What would you have done for that back in your racing days? Yeah, there's there's not much that you could uh, ask of me that I wouldn't have done. Uh, and I think you're seeing that from a lot of the privateer guys. They're changing plans here midsummer. They're all rethinking the, the rest of their 2023 calendar year based on this, which is awesome uh, to have so many riders that may not have shown up to pro motocross. Ken Roxon came back out and, and showed up. We're seeing Chase Sexton maybe coming back earlier than many had guessed simply for better positioning going into these SMX playoffs. So it's, it's really a great thing. And in the end, more people are racing. Yep, that positive. was the hope. So far, so good. Let's now drill down a little bit deeper. Our big interview is with Fell Motorsports, Dave Prater. Okay, now we have Dave Prater with us here. I've got a bunch of questions. The the basics we've already gone over, the top 20 in combined points are automatically into the motos, the top 30, 21 through 30 go to the LCQ. So let me get a couple more details here. The first thing that jumps out to my mind is someone's going to qualify and due to injury not be able to race. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to need Eli Tomac back from a ruptured Achilles, but he's got enough points. He's going to make it anyway. So what happens to Tomac's spot, even though he qualified and can't race? Tomac's spot will just remain empty. So um, those points will go away. Whoever is below him will just receive the points that they they earned um, in that top 20 position. So that anyone who cannot race Jet in the 250 class, he could race the 250s, but we all know he's going to go 450. So that spot that he vacates in the top 20 will just remain, remain empty. And that will open up one additional spot for guys 21 through 30 trying to qualify from the LCQ because we'll have an additional spot. So now instead of taking two, we'll be able to take three. Gotcha. So you'll still have a 22 rider gate in the moto. So if Tomac is one of the top 20 that's automatically in, no one else automatically gets in. You got to earn it through the LCQ. So that makes sense. You've got to earn it. Yeah. <laughs> and then when we get to the LCQ, um, are you 
only inviting 30 riders total? Or will there be alternates off to the side in case someone gets hurt in practice or someone gets hurt in round one and can't go to round two? How would that work? 21 through 30, we'll, we will allow alternates. So obviously if, if one of those spots, 21 through 30 is vacated, we will bump up 31 and 32 and so on. Now, I think an interesting wrinkle that most people probably haven't noticed, if you're 21st in points and you have to go to the LCQ to get in, you've got to go to the LCQ in all three rounds, no matter how well you do in each race, right? Yeah, that's right. It, uh, you've got to earn your way in in each race. So you can come out, playoff one, earn your way in from the LCQ, win the overall of the event, and you've still got to go to the LCQ and playoff two, and again, earn your way in. So. It just makes those top 20 positions that much, you know, more, more important for sure. Now to that end, look, we're speculating that we think Jason Anderson and Chase Sexton will be back pretty soon. Justin Barsha, every time he goes on Instagram, he's sad over the fact that he's not racing. He's not enjoying his summer at the beach. Are you getting the sense, or have you heard directly that teams and factories and privateers are studying this and need these points and want to get in and know how this works? No, I'm definitely, um, getting a sense, but also hearing directly from multiple riders, multiple teams on exactly really doing this interview with those guys. They're calling me up going, hey, Dave, just making sure this is how this works. Okay, got to get back in because we're getting close to that bubble. Those guys that are on that bubble, those are the ones I hear from the most. Okay, so they're engaged with the process. We want to hear there's going to be ties for sure uh, just to get in and what your ranking is, which gives you points going to the playoffs. How do we break ties if someone is tied in points at the end of the regular season? You break them by the number. So you start with the number of wins. Whoever has the most wins, um, either in Supercross main events, Triple Crown overalls, or a moto win. Um, and then from there, if those are equal or we don't have any wins, um, you go to most second place finishes. And from there, if those are equal, most third place finishes and so on until the ties broken. Gotcha. Um, and we talked about this, I think, all the way back in probably October when we announced this in Los Angeles. Have you run through previous years? Is this format based on crunching the numbers historically, or are we just going to throw the cards on the table and see what happens? Or do you have a sense historically with some data to know how this should play out and that this is the best format to use? We definitely, we definitely did a lot of research on, on the format and trying to keep it as interesting and as open, meaning the, the, more poss the most possibilities for guys that maybe weren't in that top 510 um, going to the playoffs, that we wanted, to, we wanted to give those guys the opportunity if they really showed up and performed to still win the championship. So there was a ton of research that went into it. Um, had a bunch of people looking at it from the AMA, AMA Pro side, um, our friend Clint Fowler. Um, we went over it um, with a fine tooth comb and we believe that we've gotten something that's really special and that's really going to create excitement as we lead into September. Yeah, well, I think it already does. If we get, say, Sexton, Anderson, Barsha, for example, back, a bunch of privateers are now begging for bikes to get back and score some points in motocross. The playoffs will be cool when they start, but it's already, I think, going to give us a gift we probably will see guys race motocross that weren't going to because of playoff seating. Wouldn't you think? For sure. I think, I mean, we're already seeing it. I don't think some of those guys would be even contemplating coming back and now they're trying to get back and trying to get back soon. So um, I think it's already, you know, benefiting the fans, benefiting the sport overall. And in the end, it's going to benefit the athletes and the race teams. So it's, uh, it's already pay, paying dividends and, 
it's exciting. I'm watching those playoff points every every week. Yeah, so are we. Okay, so it's already paying dividends, and then and we'll pay the real money uh, once September comes. All right, good work, Dave. Good luck once this all starts. Awesome. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. All right, there's a lot of, to digest here with playoffs, so let's get someone who can really help, and that is the king of the calculator, Clinton Fowler. Let's get some projections, some idea of where we're headed for playoffs. Top 20 automatically into the motos. Again, top 30 have a chance to race their way in through the LCQ. Let's go 250 class. What are you looking at right now when you try to crunch this data and try to think of where we'll be in August when we determine this field? We just, the, the first thing you got to look at is what's it going to take to get into the top 20? What's it going to take to get into the top 30? In the 250 class, we're looking at 167 points is the cutoff for top 20. We're looking at 101 points for the top 30. So those look like, given the projections, and things can change, injuries, new riders coming back from injuries, uh, people just doing better. But those look like the cutoffs to make the playoffs. So you've projected out at the end of the 11th motocross round. That's the amount of points you would need to be in or out. That's your projection. That's not the way it is right now, but that's the way it's probably going to look. Looking at their averages this year, projecting that board and bam, you got 167 and 101 is your, is your break points. Okay. So we'll talk about top 20 and 30, but I know one thing you want to talk about is the very top. Well, the points reset when it's over. Hunter Lawrence's gigantic points lead, if he holds it to the end, will pretty much be gone. Let's say he enters number one seed. He'd have 25 points to start the playoffs. A small bonus over whoever is second. And you're noticing this second place duel in combined points right now. I mean, incredible battle, guys. They're separated by, what, four points right now? Hayden Deegan and RJ Hampshire. JT, this is an interesting one. We got a preview of these two guys going head-to-head -head in, in high point this past weekend. But I think these guys these guys look like the, the most interesting battle in the top five. Yeah, and remember, they weren't on the same coast for Monster Energy Supercross. So even though they're like magnets, both on the track and in the points right now, it's it's a relatively new battle between these two. So interesting to see the youth and the veteran side, although you could argue that RJ Hampshire's uh, racing dynamic isn't always very veteran-ish. It's uh, kind of crash or win a lot of the time. But yeah, it's a uh, really interesting and dynamic and remember all of this is new for these guys they haven't ever had to combine two series and then think about how a playoff run uh, transforms into that so uh, yeah we're kind of learning as we go here okay so you're saying clinton you think there's eight riders who are probably definitely going to be in on numbers right yep yep there's eight riders they've won they've won a main event they've won an overall they've won a moto so guys like hunter uh, Lawrence, Hayden Deegan, RJ Hampshire, Levi Kitchen, Justin Cooper just got the moto win. So regardless of what happens for him, he's like, he's got a lock in. So there's eight of those guys. Yeah, those guys getting in at least the LCQ. If you win a moto or a Supercross main, you get into the LCQ for sure. But we don't know which one of these riders will be back. We did just find out. We're pretty sure Justin Cooper will return to racing this weekend at Redbud. That is great news to get Cooper back. As far as Nate Thrasher, I don't think he's going to make it back. Max Anstey, will he have a ride? He'll have earned a berth, at least in the LCQ. Will he have a ride? We don't know. And that's what really messes it up is other riders starting to rally. We'll get to them in a second. But first, you do have four others you think I'm, by points are looking good? Yeah, Weege, there's, there's four guys right now that have already scored more than 167 points. So uh, Tom Vial, Joe Shimoda, Max Volan, and Jordan Smith. They, to me, are almost a guaranteed lock in the top 20, making that cutoff point. 
And JT, here's where it gets interesting. We have all these riders who maybe had a bad Supercross season and are back for outdoors or didn't even race Supercross at all due to injury. And that's where it gets interesting to try to project where those guys can go, JT. Yeah, and there's there's so many points up for grabs still in this Pro Motocross Championship. And you get, remember, you get two shots at it in Pro Motocross versus Supercross. So the dynamic there that plays out, if you get on a run and get hot late in Pro Motocross, you can really ramp up your, your overall score really quickly just by the amount of, of racing you get to, uh, to encounter. So give us some samples of those riders who are kind of on the rise now that Motocross has started or that are looking to come back and score points soon in Motocross. Yeah, Weege, there's, you know, a guy like Carson Mumford who didn't race a ton in the Supercross. Um, he's on the rise. He's got 113 points right now. He needs another 50 to 60 points to hit that top 20 projected cutoff. So I think a guy like him is a great example. Another one, Ryder DeFrancisco, um, Jalik Swole, they both missed Supercross. And then JT, there's, to me, there's three guys that are really interesting to look at. Um, Seth Hamaker coming back from industry uh, injury, excuse me, uh, Austin Forkner coming back from injury, heard that he should be back at one of the next two rounds. Uh, and then Styles Robinson, we've seen some posts where he's back on a bike. Those three guys, incredibly talented, should be able to gain a ton of points, but depends on when they come back. Let's go to the 450 class. Um, same thing here, projected points. What are you looking at right now? What's your What's your story? I guess at the top, we could start there. Yeah, I mean, the, the the cutoff points here, top 20 is looking at 157 points. In the top 30, we're looking at 85 points. So really close to what we're seeing in the 250 class, but a little bit of difference in subtlety just based off of the classes. Um, and to the, lock, to the locked in, the guys that already have the win, so they're guaranteed a top 30 slot. You got Chase Sexton, Eli Tomac, Cooper Webb, Justin Barsha, Ken Roxon, and of course, Jet Lawrence who has already locked himself in, having won plenty of motos here to start the season. So those guys are locked in for top 30 slots. Okay, two things here. Let's talk Lawrence. Where do you think he might end up, even without Supercross points? He's into the LCQ just by winning motos, but he's going to be a lot higher than just top 30. Where do you think he might end up if he keeps doing this? Yeah, it, I mean, assume the impossible here, Weege, JT. Assume the impossible. Assume he sweeps the entire series. He scores 550. He's going to finish the season fifth in the standings wow uh that's impressive and then also give me this cooper webb his strategy is paying off he's moved to the top of the charts but you're saying if sexton comes back we might have a battle to be number one seed and have those 25 points going into the playoffs i think the top battle here is going to be chase sexton and cooper webb if you look at sexton if he comes back at redbud he scores five points more per round which is totally reasonable to do um he's going to be looking at a two-point advantage at the end of the season. So you look at Sexton versus Webb, that's the one that's going to be really interesting. It depends, obviously, on, on Sexton coming back. But, I mean, JT, you look at the racing, for Sexton to score a position better than Webb every single moto for the remainder of the year is not far-fetched. It's not. And, you know, we're assuming that we get to see a healthy Chase Sexton back in action at Redbud. But I think if you're Cooper Webb, you just keep doing what you've been doing, right? There's no guarantee that Sexton's going to come back or stay all the way through the remainder of the series. You've taken over the lead and the overall points for now. 
and you just do what you can do. You control what you can control. But I would argue that the most intriguing battle is all these privateer guys that are behind them that are now juggling positions, changing plans, trying to come back into pro motocross to get inside that top 20 or even the top 30. Just watching all of that drama unfold for me has been really entertaining. Yeah, so a couple of names are probably going to get on points. You're projecting, if you're Plessinger, Cincerillo, Ferrandis, uh, Anderson with his Supercross points alone, he'll probably get more motocross at some point. Grant Harlan has been spectacular this year. They're looking to get in. Then you've got another group that's in that projected top 20, but it's going to be close. Talk about some of those names. Yeah, there's there's a couple of guys here. Kyle Chisholm is just below the cutoff right now. I verified with him last week. He's in for the, the remainder of the round, starting with Southwick. So... He's almost a guaranteed to be a top 20 guy. Um, but then you've got Ty Masterpool, who has come into the 450s and just been amazing. I think he's going to be in there. Garrett Marchbanks, the exact same thing. Uh, Derek Drake, Lorenzo Lacurcio, and Romain Poppy. Those guys look like projected top 20 because they've just been doing really well in the Pro Motocross Series. Uh, JT, at the beginning of the year, did you have Ty Masterpool, Derek Drake, and Roman Pep? from France as top 20 and combined 450 points. Well, I didn't have Roman Pop on any list at all, even as a human on this earth. I didn't have him on that list. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the rest of the guys, it's just so interesting how many points you can make up so quickly if you start running around that fourth, fifth, sixth position in pro motocross, because again, you get two motos. So we, for us to be talking about Garrett Marchbanks in this discussion three weeks ago, we would have never thought, but then a decent round of Thunder Valley a breakout race at high point, and here we are. Now he's in consideration. Okay, so that's top 20-ish. Now, top 30, this is where it gets really crazy. Clinton, you're looking at a lot of guys who are not racing motocross right now who are going to be close. Do they come back? Let's talk about some of those names. Uh, Josh Hill, Shane McElrath, those types. Yeah, I mean, there's four guys. The cutoff, okay? The cutoff's 157 points, or at least what we think is going to be the cutoff. Just below that, we've got four guys that are incredibly talented. Shane McElrath with 151 points, Christian Craig with 150, Josh Hill with 149, and Colt Nichols with 141. And I saw a post just recently where he's trying to find a bike and figure out a way to come back and race a couple of rounds. Those guys are all just outside. I mean, 20 points in pro motocross, for those guys is a reasonable get in a weekend. So I think those ones are really interesting to see if we see them return towards the end of the year. And JT, did you see uh, Kevin Moran's, the privateer, all of a sudden rallying to try to put a program together, similar circumstances? Yeah, there, I think there's a lot of strategy going on behind the scenes. And Clinton, you might be the biggest asset to any of these riders. You might be on like the Mercedes strategy team for Formula One here because there's going to be a lot of calculations done on the fly as we enter these final few motocross rounds for not only the top 20, but just for that top 30 to have a chance at some of this money. Yeah, JT, it's it's interesting. I talked to a couple of them, talked to Cartwright, uh, to Justin Starling, and they're definitely thinking about it. They're looking at where they are on the points. Justin Starling looking at coming back for Ironman. Those, those points could end up being really critical depending on where that last cutoff bar of 85 points, if that ends at 85 or a little bit above. So it's going to be interesting to, to field some questions from them. Yeah, and that's where the intrigue comes in. I mean, if you look at how Pro Motocross has transformed or transpired so far, it's Lawrence Brothers domination, big points leads, all that. But this could transform when you get to the final rounds, even if the Lawrence Brothers are still out front in Pro Motocross. Think of the drama going into Ironman with all these riders showing up Whatever bike they can grab, try to get either top 20 to guarantee they're in the motos or top 30 to at least have a shot in the LCQ. It's going to be awesome. 
So keep the calculator smoking there, Clinton. Thanks. Thanks, Reach. Thanks, JT. Okay, that's enough number crunching and math and calculus. Let's get down to the actual racetrack. So we're going to bring in Fell Motorsports, Mike Mewey, who's a big part of the track design, not only for regular Supercross, but now for SMX. So just give me the process here of trying to make a motocross and Supercross track together at these three venues, Mike. Yeah, so thanks, Jason. Uh, worked very closely with Alex Gillespie, who basically had a blank slate designing all three of these tracks, uh, as long as the, as well as the MX Sports staff, um, who all collectively came together, made these true Supercross and Motocross-inspired tracks. Yeah, I was uh, going back this morning and kind of looking over the layouts, and they all felt very unique in their own way. Um, Charlotte, you know, is, has this kind of hybrid-type feel to it. I could see Supercross lanes. There was there were option lanes. And then you go to Chicago, and it felt really fast and really open and felt like a motocross track was placed inside a speedway, which is going to have this very unique dynamic. And then we go to the finale in L.A., and it felt much more traditional Supercross. So as I worked through them without speaking to you yet, I was kind of trying to think about the inspiration for each one. And they really felt like they had a very deliberate design and something they were really trying to go for. And, and it's going to give three unique events that are not going to feel the same whatsoever. So yeah, Jason, um, Dirtworks as well as the MX Sports folks had a great opportunity here with a blank slate to start and really take a look at this from a Supercross motocross combined perspective. Uh, Alex, myself, and and the Dirtworks team, um, you know, we tend to look at things in a Supercross bucket because that's what we do year in and year out. Uh, the MX Sports team came in and, and really helped out a lot in inspiring it with motocross related obstacles and and footprints. So um, in Charlotte specifically. Uh, you know, it's a little bit more intimate feel when you're inside of the drag strip lanes and inside of the grandstands. Uh, we had the ability to go out and, and down further down the drag strip, uh, which gives us that outdoor feel. So it's really a mixture. When you get to Chicagoland, uh, our intentions are to till up the natural terrain to give us line choices and, and more of that motocross feel. Uh, without NASCAR having been there in a little bit, uh, we have the opportunity to open up the fence lines, uh, give us a little bit of elevation going up turn one of the NASCAR track. Uh, there's a cool VIP area up there that, that bikes will race right in front of, uh, drop back down in and then back into more of that natural terrain, flowy type of a, a racetrack. And then the LA Coliseum is cool, uh, not only for the history that's there, uh, but also, you know, going up through the peristyles, we want to make that motocrossy inside of the bowl, uh, trying to focus on areas that, that could give us that motocross feel. I think people think maybe we've seen something like this before, Monster Energy Cup, where they went outside the stadium. Uh, the bigger track at Atlanta and the Daytona, which has been around forever. Is it like that or is this going to be different than what we've seen before? This is going to be different. Um, and, and going back to what I said earlier, really working with Dirtworks and the MX Sports folks, um, you know, trying to think outside of the box was, was really where we started. Um, so you're not going to see another Monster Energy Cup. Obviously, there's going to be large obstacles. There's going to be Supercross-inspired obstacles, Motocross-inspired obstacles. But most notably, what I think will be really cool about this is you're going to have the opportunity to get up close to the to the bikes and the track. So uh, at, at all three rounds, you have the opportunity to walk trackside within 20 feet and see these guys in action, which should be really neat and different perspective that a lot of people that may have only attended the Supercross haven't had the opportunity to see, or those that have seen motocross will have the opportunity to do it as well. All right, Mike, that's good to hear. It, it's not just going to be 
a larger Supercross layout. It's really going to have motocross elements, especially for the fans. That's something I didn't even know. So thanks for the time. And uh, get busy because, yeah, September 1st, your phone's going to be ringing off the hook, I'm sure, for more information on this. Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> Thank you, guys. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hope you enjoyed the in-depth conversation and explanation of SMX, but let's get back to our regular 30-second board. Some other hot topics in the sport. We'll start with this. Caden Broswell, it's a good story building here. He was a quick fill-in for the Chorley Designs Red Bull Gas Gas team. I feel like he's earned a shot to stay with the team, but he's going to get it one way or another because Moseman and Brown, they still have injury problems over there. Yeah, this is great. Uh, he's gotten so much better so quickly. And I think it's been a little bit of a struggle ever since he won that AMA Horizon Award at Loretta Lynn's National Championships. The, the bar was set really high for him. And Supercross, I don't think, went exactly to plan for him. But ever since this Pro Motocross Championship took off, he's gotten better and better and better. So this is great. It's more opportunity for him. And as you know, we've talked about this many times, he's one of the most unique personalities in the pits. And for people to get to see that and talk to him and maybe learn a little bit more about him will be great. He's so polite and so nice. It's shocking. You've got to experience this, folks, with interviews or Maybe meet him during autograph session. But yeah, he's progressed from a top 20 to a top 10 guy. So good news there. Even better news, if we can get some injured riders back. We think Jason Anderson, I talked to Bruce Sternstrom, the racing boss at Cowie at High Point. He thinks Anderson could be back for Red Bud. We don't know yet. But Anderson's posting, he wants super pro motocross championship points. Now he's being sarcastic about the name of it. But I know Anderson is very, very serious with the financial side of racing. He doesn't want to miss out on this money. Yeah, he's one of the more frugal riders that I've ever come across. And when you have this big of a carrot at the end of the road, and, and for Jason Anderson, let's be honest, if he comes in healthy and prepared into September, he is a legitimate threat to win each of these races. So I think he knows that. I think he you know, didn't end the Supercross Championship the way he wanted to. He had a, a bunch of races in a row where we had more questions than answers. And I'm sure he wants to right that ship. And there's no better way to do that than get, get started at Redbud build some momentum leading into those playoff races and uh, make a real run. We think we're hearing the same type of thing with Chase Sexton. That was a huge loss for the series in motocross. Everybody wanted to see the Tomac Sexton Jet Lawrence battle. We've basically had Jet up front by himself. Honda is thinking that Sexton, the plan is to come back at Redbud. This would be massive all around. Yeah, this is awesome. There is literally no downside unless your name is Jet Lawrence or Aaron Plessing or Cooper Webb, right? He adds a lot to the series. He adds intrigue. I think he's one of the only riders that can truly push Jet Lawrence to his limit. And I'm not sure that we found his limit, but I think Chase Sexton can push him to explore it. And it's going to do nothing but add to the storylines and the series. It's going to make the racing better. And I hope for Chase Sexton, it's something that he's seriously considering. And I hope we see the 23 lineup. Yeah, that's the good side. The bad side is we have heard that his young 250 teammate Chance Hymas tore his ACL after high point while riding. And he's going to be out for the rest of the season. So a pretty solid rookie run sadly comes to an end for Hymas. He'll be back next year with Honda. Let's go direct to Redbud now. 50th anniversary for a lot of things in this sport lately, including Redbud. This should be a heck of a party. They're going to have a Legends lap. Well, they'll do laps of the track. Our own James Stewart going to come out of the TV booth real quick. Not to do the lap. Sorry, everybody. But he is getting into the Redbud Hall of Fame. So this should be a fun weekend. This is great. Uh, it's America's National. It's 4th of July weekend. It's the 50th anniversary. We just saw Team USA win the Motocross of Nations there last October. So there's a lot to celebrate. There's a lot to be thankful for. And I think we're going to see a historic crowd 
hopefully we see that same level of racing that it deserves and uh, weather looks like it's going to be fantastic so we're, we're set up for an all-time red butter yeah i'm hearing some people theorize that high point might have been the biggest crowd they ever had so if we get something like that at red Bud, look out and there are some track changes for the 50th anniversary they're back to the old start the pre-2018 motocross the nation start and some changes by LaRocco's leap also jt yeah, I think the the start and the change to Arako's Leap are the most notable of these. Uh, the start is definitely different. I, I raced there, you know, 15 years or so with this fast left-hander that you definitely have to think a little bit about. You know, I, I think, guy, I don't know if Justin Cooper will be racing, but he was a guy that would always kind of go towards the middle of these starting gates. And you make yourself a little bit vulnerable as that, that all of those riders sweep outside. You can get caught up in first-turn crashes there. So... For the riders who have never raced with this start, they're going to have to do a little bit of thinking, a little bit of strategizing. And then for the leap, I think it's going to open the door for more 250s, right? So who does and who doesn't decide to take this jump? And there's always the risk. We see riders each year come up a little short, break a wheel, and that can be a championship ender right there. So they've got to, they've got to find that uh, kind of Mendoza line of if you can or can't jump this Loraco's leap. Yeah, we'll see how the layout transforms the racing mode. So we get there. If you want to watch, we're back to Peacock and the Super Motocross video pass if you're outside the U.S. Race Day Live presented by Motosport.com. That's our qualifying coverage. It starts at 10 Eastern on Saturday. And the Motos start at 1 Eastern on Saturday. Again, Peacock or the SMX video pass. will be myself, Jason here, and James Stewart back in the booth with us. Hope you enjoy the 50th anniversary at Redbug. We're going to be there. It's going to be a heck of a time. But if you can't, be sure to tune in. Should be a good one.